In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents the Betches Brides podcast, a show for the wedding obsessed and the brides who are stressed. Because after all, it's only one day of your life. What's up, Betches Brides? Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Nicole Pellegrino. And today I am joined by clinical psychologist, Dr. Naomi Bernstein, A few of you might recognize her from another Betches podcast, which we'll talk about. And she's also been on the Betches Brides podcast before, where we talked about all the mental health issues and getting along with your partner leading up to the wedding. Now we have her back. You all have requested her. We got her back. She's going to talk about basically everything post-wedding, a.k.a. the big post-wedding blues topic you all ask about. So welcome, Dr. Naomi. We're so excited to have you back. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for having me back. I loved being on last time, and I'm really looking forward to talking to your audience. Yes. So before we jump in, for those listeners that haven't maybe listened to the last episode, you guys definitely go back and do that. Can you tell us about yourself and how you got into being a clinical psychologist? Sure. Um, You know, ever since the beginning, I was very interested in relationship issues and navigating um, interpersonal relationships and my, my personal reasons for becoming a psychologist, aside from having a very complicated blended family and um, coming from parents who were divorced and just having my own slew of, of complications as a child. My, my, I didn't really think about it until I went through a bad breakup when I was about 19 and it just felt Mm -hmm. so heart wrenching. And I was kind of like, I want, you know, I, I, found myself on the other side of it and really wanted to help other people be able to, to get there too. So that kind of pushed me right into, you know, couples issues and, um, interpersonal issues and all of that type type of stuff. So I think that's a lot of what the Betches Brides kind of have going on as well as just, mm-hmm. you know, young women in general, I think being in your twenties and thirties is filled with all types of navigating those relationships. So Um, that's what kind of pushed me into it. And I really, I'm very lucky. I love what I do. I love pretty much all my patients. I really think that they're awesome and I'd love to reach a further audience. So that's why I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. And thank you. We love your honesty. We loved everybody here who's listening knows and loves Jordana, your sister. Yeah, me too. She's great. She's great. You both have just been so great to be like, honest with us about, you know, your the fact that you do have blended families with complicated dynamics sometimes, trust me, so do I, a lot of mm-hmm. us listening do. Um, and I feel like that you both, I mean, you've obviously gone into it for your profession and become a legit expert, but even Jordana like always has a natural knack for giving advice on relationships and interpersonal issues and stuff. So 
that's why, yeah, it's just great to talk to you both about this stuff. Can you tell us about the new podcast that you're doing with her? Yeah, so we um, are doing a new podcast. It's called Oversharing. And it's basically, um, I think she kind of thought of it as sort of like your therapist and your best friend having brunch and helping you out with an issue. Mm -hmm. issue. So we do a lot of listener emails, kind of advice type stuff. Um, We play a fun game called the Betch Assist, which is like, you know, writing in ethical dilemmas, how to handle issues in your life where maybe, you know, one group of one side of the group of friends thinks one thing's the right thing to do and the other side thinks something else is the right to do the right thing to do. So we weigh in on that. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, Jordana is really, you know, we just recorded an episode this morning. And there was one of the emails where she just like, she took off with it. And I was like, all right, I guess you got this one. So <laughs> um, but we do disagree sometimes, which is, it's interesting to see kind of the difference in in our opinion. Um, but yeah, it's really right. fun. And it's kind of like a you know, you up is awesome. I'm a listener myself. And I, um, it's sort of like the next step. So once you've found your Mm -hmm. person and you're in a committed relationship, or even if you're not in a committed relationship, but dating is not your number one focus, maybe you have more issues with family or parent, you know, your parents or friendships, we do Mm -hmm. a lot of friendship stuff, um, which isn't really covered elsewhere. So um, come check it out. I think it's the perfect, I'm not even just saying this, you guys, I think it's the perfect complimentary podcast to Betch's Brides because we do a lot of, you know, we talk about interpersonal issues, of course, throughout the wedding planning process because there is so much of that that goes on. But we do, we also talk to wedding planners and we talk a lot of like logistical wedding planning stuff, which you guys love and, you know, everything else that has to do with weddings. So I think oversharing you up is still great too for relationships. I think it's the the trifecta, the Betches Brides, you up right. and oversharing because I mean, you guys always definitely go email oversharing at betches.com. Yeah. Go email that you guys, because you, sometimes you send me some very complicated, like how to set boundaries within laws questions and how to, you know, just uh, get along with your partner, things like that, which keep sending them my way too. Cause we, we have experts on and we talk about them as well. But definitely email over sharing because they're talking about all of that all of the time on their weekly podcast. So, yeah, definitely check them all out. If you get any that you feel like, feel free to forward them over. We'll take a we'll take a look. Oh, yeah, We'd love duh. to help out everybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very cool kind of um, more long term relationship stuff. Even if you know, and we we just spoke today a little bit about. Once some of your listeners get to like the having kids point of Mm. their lives or considering having kids, or we even just did an episode about, um, you know, like a lot of your friends are starting to have children and maybe you don't yet and how to kind of stay connected when you're moving through different phases and all that good stuff. So, oh, yeah, that's becoming huge, especially for the brides after their wedding. We all know the number one question brides get asked is, so when are the kids coming? And it's oh, like, right. it's pressure. We could talk about that right. forever. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. 
Newly, Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. So Newly is a subscription clothing rental service for just $98 a month. You can get your choice of any six styles. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. There are no parameters. You get access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees. There's no late fees, no damage fees, no fees to pause or cancel. So no big deal if you like lose a button. Uh Uh-oh, I spilled something on it. Or you just need to take a break. They have inclusive sizing all the way up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. You always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code BRIDES20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code BRIDES20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code BRIDES20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so basically one of the biggest topics I've been so excited to have you on for this is this topic of post-wedding blues that I didn't realize it was the thing until after my own wedding last September and I kind of get it. Like it's basically the whole concept of like you plan all of this time for the wedding, you get to the wedding, it's one day or one weekend and then wedding's over, now what do you do? And I've seen from our audiences, people are either going, people are either super happy and relieved after, or people are super depressed after. And they're like, what do I do with my life? They call it the post-wedding blues. Can you kind of tell us, like, what do you think causes this? So I really think it speaks almost, you know, it's a bigger picture thing in my mind to like the human condition, right? Because you can kind Mm -hmm. of start way back when, It's culture, it's human conditioning that we always want to have like a project. You always want to have a goal. You always want to have something that you're striving towards. And that's great because it keeps us moving. It keeps us successful. It keeps us safe, really, right? If you're always worrying Mm -hmm. about what the next thing is, it keeps you from whatever the fear is of the bad thing that's going to happen if you take your eye off the prize. Um, But the problem is, that sometimes you're so programmed into that state of mind that you don't even know how to be without it. Right. So um, if you do listen to oversharing, I talk a lot about meditation and mindfulness and how that can help with just pretty much everything. I, okay, I'm, it's so interesting to hear you say that because I feel like I've heard like, okay, yeah, meditation. Does it truly help with these kinds of things? And like, how does it just, it makes you more mindful? Well, here's the difference between just like, I'm going to occasionally 
do a five minute meditation like once a week versus Mm -hmm. like doing a real having a real meditation practice and the difference is you have to train your brain out of that baseline worry state so Mm -hmm. you're you know a lot of times especially if you're kind of like a type a person or and i'd be interested to hear from the the brides the ones that are would consider themselves more like type A, go-getters, planners, doers, if they're the ones that are feeling a little bit more of that um, post-wedding blues um, mm-hmm. than the others. But I think sometimes when you are in that mindset constantly, you literally have to use meditation as like a brain training. Like you can't just do it on a whim. You have to exercise that part of your brain that learns how to exist without planning, worrying, stressing, like that constant state of worry is mm-hmm. very stressful, but we get almost addicted to it. Like we get kind of used right. to it and we crave it. So I think that's part of what's going on. Yeah, you're you're it's it becomes your routine to just be like manic, I feel like. Right. When you're planning and when wedding. you start paying attention and what meditation really is and not to go off cuz I know some people find it kind of annoying with the constant preaching of meditation. But I will say this, once you just simply, and you don't even have to do like, I'm going to sit down and close my eyes and cross my legs and put my fingers together and do a meditation. Right. If you just start to notice where your mind is and how your body feels mm-hmm. like as often as you can throughout the day, because every time you're noticing your thought process without being absorbed into it, you're meditating, really. You're right. becoming aware okay. of where your head is at, and then you can start to become aware of how it affects your body, and mm-hmm. then become aware of okay, this is where that, this is where that post wedding blues is starting because this is the thought that I'm having or not having, and this is how it's affecting my body, and then it's resulting in over time in a feeling of depression or anxiety or whatever it is, whatever negative emotion you're experiencing. Yeah, I feel like that could help with those. I know intrusive thoughts is a thing too that like I feel like meditation could help with. You're just kind of like taking more control over your mind. That's something I get. If you can't tell, I'm very type A. So that's why I think I was one of those people who after my wedding, I just felt that because I was like, yeah, I mean, I just uh, now, now what? And that's why I was like, you know, let's put, let's plan the honeymoon later. So I have that still to look forward to, but I feel like that's just a bandaid. Like that's my next question. Is there anything you do recommend? Obviously meditation, which I legit want to try. Um, anything else you recommend like couples do after their wedding to kind of take more control? Like, should we just plan other things or is that not a real fix for the problem? Yeah, I mean, my recommend, look, planning stuff is great and that's fine and it's fun and go for it. But as far as doing something that's going to be long-term beneficial for your mental health as individuals Mm -hmm. and as a couple, it's almost like we don't take the time to sit back and enjoy the fruit of our labor. Like, if you think about it, after the wedding, it's like, from the time you were 12, like, I, I have two daughters that are eight and 10 and they just got their their elementary school yearbooks. And I see them sitting there like 
who's the cutest in the class and who's the cutest mm-hmm. in this class? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is from the time that they're eight and 10. So we've been doing this, thinking about yeah. this, finding our person for, you know, 20 years probably or longer even. So mm-hmm. there's that piece of like, okay, it's done. I found my person. We're married. This was a huge part probably of both of your thought process, probably on a daily basis for the last 20 years. Maybe the men, right. not quite as much as the women, but, um, <laughs> you know, you've, you've found that person and how can you just now enjoy it instead of taking it and saying like, okay, that's done. What's the next thing? And right, I think right. that's what happens when people are like, okay, now we're going to jump into kids right away. Or now we're going to jump into buying a house right away without um, stopping to just say, okay, I'm here. You know, let's just. Right. Do you think, I, I was just thinking like, does social media contribute to that at all? Because we kind of like, Jordana and I used to always say a lot of the pressure that brides feel for their weddings, like. comes from the social media aspects like you might be truly happy in your relationship but you might be having wedding planning problems and disagreements with each other because of what you like you're disagreeing over something about the wedding because of what you think people are going to think about you and your wedding if they see you did things that way instead of this way so do, do you think social media like as it pertains to weddings contributes to the post-wedding depression at all? For sure. I think it does. Because I think probably, like you're mentioning, I hadn't thought about this until now, you're probably still following all that stuff, right? You're still seeing on your feed all the wedding stuff and the excitement. And so it's like bringing you kind of back a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously we want everyone still listening to Betch's Bride's podcast, but Um, you know, there's something to be said for taking a little bit of a break from all the wedding talk and all the stuff that's flooding your newsfeed. But I also think even more so than that, it probably, it just leads, comparisons are really Mm. a, a big problem for a lot of people throughout the process, I'm sure. But even afterwards, then you start oh, to yeah. see what somebody else is doing. And for people who have a hard time with a still mind, and that's most people that have a hard time having a... Yeah, me. <laughs> me. <laughs> um, when, and that's what, that's what the meditation really is. It helps you tolerate a quiet mind. So that's mm-hmm. really what you're going for. The longer you spend with a quiet mind, the better you can tolerate a quiet mind. Um, But when it's like almost like there might be this little space in there where you can just enjoy your new life and the security, the beautiful thing about marriage is you Mm -hmm. have this sense of security that you can take that and just snuggle into it and relax into it. Or you can take it and look at what the other couple who's married is doing and then jump on the bandwagon of the next thing that you think you need to be doing because that's what right. everybody else is doing. Um, right, and right. It's very hard mm-hmm. to tune out those influences, especially when you have that type of personality where your mind is always seeking something else. So mm-hmm. I would really, I, I mean, I don't say I recommend taking breaks from social media or getting off of it altogether because I know it's really hard and it's, there are some great benefits to it. But 
if you're finding that your mental health is not where you want it to be, then I think that's a sign that less input, you know, less external input is helpful if you're learning, if you want to learn how to have a quiet mind and enjoy your existence. Oh, for sure. I, I, we just got a puppy actually. I'm sure you guys, if you follow me on Instagram, Uh. you're seeing him a lot. And it's funny because I, before, I mean, I work in social media. I've been, you know, I use my phone constantly. I'm always consuming content. I feel like since having him, obviously I'm off my phone a lot more. He's a ton of work taking him out, walking, you know, outside more. I already feel a mental happiness change for the better in me with having him. Maybe it's having like more responsibility to giving me confidence in that way. But I mean, I just, I'm off my phone way less and I'm still, you know, have to log in and get my work done, of course. But I feel like that already, like taking a step back from just consuming and comparing myself has helped so much. Yeah, he probably keeps you, he keeps you like in the moment of whatever it is you're doing. So, and and just being mindful, like, okay, if you're taking him, you said it's a boy, right? Yes. Boy? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's his name? Louis. Aw, cute. All right. He's adorable. if If you're taking Louis for a walk, just like really being in the moment of that and not like side scrolling on your phone while you're walking the dog, which you're probably not going to do. You know, it just keeps, gives you those, it almost just forces you, like you said, it like literally forces you off your phone, which is I think a good thing. So everybody just get a puppy. Okay. That'll, that'll (laughs) help you deal with your post wedding. No, just kidding. I think, I think that's so true. Just do practices to be more mindful. I think in the past, the advice I've given to the bridal community is like, I don't know, just plan something else, have something to look forward to. And that's, that's just a bandaid though. It's like really just learn to be still, learn to be present, learn to sit in silence. Oprah said that once on one of her podcasts, mm-hmm. I remember. So if Oprah says it and Dr. Naomi, you know that's the advice to go with. <laughs> totally. And it's hard. It's going to feel uncomfortable. Like I think I've said this before. I don't... Um, a lot oh, yeah. of people that I recommend meditation to, they really don't like it. Like I, I recommend it to pretty much everyone that I talk to. And I'd say uh, less than 10% are probably actually doing it, practicing it regularly because it's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. It really yeah. is uncomfortable. But once you can kind of push through that, the discomfort of sitting and quietly with your own mind, you will find that it becomes something you're going to start to crave and something you're going to start to look forward to. Um, But you have to push through that initial discomfort of, I can't stop my mind from racing. I just can't stop my, I just can't, you don't have to turn off your mind. You just have to notice it, be with it, be aware of it and not like, you know, not absorb yourself in every ridiculous thought that comes through your head. Right, right. But that that being said, I don't think there's anything wrong with planning a trip or getting a puppy or doing, um, mm-hmm. you know, focusing on other stuff. Yeah, you can still plan additional stuff. And I know a lot of like our pandemic couples had to postpone the weddings and whatnot. So they're getting married. And then right after they're plan- family planning or they're like, you know, really, really condensing the timeline of life. So that's fine, too. It's just I think within all that try to find that that more that present mind and that silence cuz 
Sounds like a lovely place to be, honestly. Moving on to like just the marriage therapy and counseling of it all, um, that's obviously something we could talk about forever. So how can just happiness between couples, how can the couple who's getting married, who's planning this stressful wedding, leading up to the wedding, how can they kind of start setting the groundwork for a lifelong happy marriage? Yeah, I I mean... It sounds probably cheesy, but I always come back to communication. And it's not just like, and by communication, no. I mean, being able to tolerate talking about the tough stuff, right? Because a lot of times okay. we avoid those conversations. Like, it's really easy to communicate on stuff that's easy, but the stuff that feels like it's going to hurt someone's feelings or cause a conflict or... Um, those are the things but that are hard harder to talk about. But once as a couple, you can sort of get used to, um, again, learn to tolerate the discomfort. That's like a huge, it just yeah. kind of goes across everything. If you can learn to tolerate that initial discomfort, most of the time you end up coming out so much more well-connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can learn like, okay, I can be really sad or be really upset and I can come through that with my partner together as a support person. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of complications there. People get defensive. People, you know, there's arguments that ensue. Sometimes people are a little bit less emotionally aware. One partner is less emotionally aware than the other. So um, those conversations can be hard. But um, again, just really learning how to push through communication issues. Yeah, Speaking of being emotionally aware, what what are some ways cuz I hear from a ton of brides when it's a, you know, a bride and groom couple, I hear from a lot of brides that are like my my husband didn't cry on the wedding day and didn't show emotion and never shows emotion and stuff. And that like even myself, like I'm I'm an open book, you can read an emotion on my face. Mike is definitely emotional and has gotten more emotional over time. He's definitely become more emotionally available, I like to say, which is a good thing we've been working on forever. Um, But like typically, he definitely is not as emotional as me. What are some like ways couples can work on that? Or is that even a bad thing? Like, is that okay if one person in the relationship isn't as emotionally aware or like if you're frustrated by your partner, how can you kind of deal with that? Right. I mean, look, I think sometimes it's a matter of expression. And we've talked about the love languages book. I, th- I don't know if we talked mm. about that the last time I was on here, but I don't know, but I need to read it. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you that are not aware of it, 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 I wouldn't use it as like a Bible for how to work, but it's a good framework in terms of people express their feelings and affection in different ways. So if you're simply looking for verbal affection and verbal displays of emotion, you're, you might be missing some other displays of affection that are there. So um, that's one thing is to allow, the book doesn't say that the book really says, learn your partner's love language and speak it. So like in that case, according to the book, it would be your husband has to realize that you want more verbal expressions of emotion gotcha. and do that for you. 
um, which is great if you can. But I also think Mm -hmm. it brings up this issue of sometimes you're just so focused on hearing him say the words or for this bride that you mentioned, like he didn't cry. And so that that's my expectation of what that means to show emotion. Um, but like him being like having the biggest smile on his face and like looking so happy all day, you're going to miss that as like, he's just right. so happy that he got to, that today's the day he gets to spend the rest of his life with you. Cause you're focused on looking for the tears that you kind of miss right. something that might be right in front of you. Um, so that's something interesting to think about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I tell people too, it's like you, it's a lot of pressure on the wedding day. Like you're being watched constantly by people. You rarely have like your own moments to yourself. So even like the first look, I know that's a big thing. Brides are always like, he didn't cry when we did the first it's look. So and I'm pressure. like, sure. You're like, we have this moment that's supposed to be set up. And if you don't cry, it's like a fail. You know, it's a lot exactly. of pressure, I think, you know? Exactly. It's There's a video camera in your face and a photographer. He's like... like and some people, that's just not their jam. Like, they're not going to be able to be right. themselves. So right. it's interesting that you bring that up because um, Jordana and I touched lightly on this topic, and I thought it would be a great topic for you guys. And I think she was speaking mm-hmm. to her own wedding, and perhaps just, you know, hers was you know, more, there was more drama, like family dynamics. And, um, but even without all of that, I'd be interested to hear from you and from your brides, the idea of like, you're doing all, like we talked about, you're in planning mode, you're in your head, where's the bouquet, where are the bridesmaids, who's lining up, let's cut pair up the couples and who's going when, and you have the wedding planner with the timing. And right. then all of a sudden you're walking down and you're supposed to just switch to like, romantic emotional mode it's like wait 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 I my you know like how do I just turn all that off Mm -hmm. and cameras and people taking pictures and so it's not just like you and your partner alone there are hundreds of people watching or it's impossible my thing I always say to that I like I would summarize that as like you know being in the moment on the wedding day which sounds so cheesy but that's a huge question we get to is like how do I be in the moment on the wedding day because it does go by so fast and you you are thinking about so much and planning and still like planning the wedding on the wedding day and then you like you said you have to switch and suddenly like be in the moment when you're walking down the aisle my thing to that I always say is like try 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 to plan as much prior you know if you have the budget outsource to people that you trust and yes you're still gonna have to plan a ton on your own even if you are delegating to a planner a coordinator whoever but try to just prepare as much prior like I always say preparation is key before anything in life for me at least try to prepare so that when you do get there on the wedding day you're like it's all done and things are going to go wrong. You're good. J- Jordana shared all the drama with us mm-hmm. in the rain and the, things are going to happen and it is going to pull you out of the moment. But I try just try to like at that point try to focus on marrying the love of your life and how happy you are to be doing that because at that point if it does rain you're like, "Well, I still get to marry Mike. That's that's happening. Like I'm so happy about that." Like, who cares about the rain at this point? That kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, just try to prepare as much as possible so that when you get there on the day of, you're not still planning the wedding in the morning. You're not saying like, 
okay, do my brides do do my bridesmaids all have their bouquets? Like like delegate that so you can just sit in that makeup chair and get your hair and makeup done and put on music with your friends and I don't know, I try to always remember too. It's like remember that this is only like keep reminding yourself this is only one day like to sit in that chair and, and get ready with your friends like have so much fun doing doing that with your friends like and then you know walk down the that's that's just what helped me like just kept reminding myself and preparing as much and delegating I had a I had a day of or a month of planner who took all that and my vendors were amazing so like so much did go wrong on my wedding day I found out after. But I wasn't having to, like, deal with it behind the scenes. Totally. So that allowed me right. to, like, be in that romantic mindset from from the moment I woke up. Right. Oh, good. Well, you know, one thing I, I'm just thinking on the, you know, off the top of my head that might be helpful is giving yourself, putting it into the, you know, incorporating it in the plan to give yourself, like, even if it's just as small as two minutes or three minutes or something after like right before you're walking down right before you're about to actually do the ceremony so you can feel connected Mm -hmm. like look at your favorite picture of the two of you or do something right in that in that moment that you can you know just really take a minute to refocus on the reason why you're there right before or if you are doing like a first look type thing something like that where you know because the groom might be coming from like, okay, well, I just, I'm, I have all my guys in this thing and everybody's, you know, hanging out and doing whatever. And now I'm leaving and what mm-hmm. are they okay? Or whatever his process is in his mind of what's going on before he's doing the first look and just kind of coming back to like, you know, okay, here I am with my person and maybe you need two minutes to just breathe, yeah. calm your body and have like a little reminder of what's going on but yeah like you said just constantly coming back to some kind of mantra or something that you can remind yourself um Mm -hmm. how to you know kind of switch back and forth but look I'm sure there are brides out there that maybe can't afford to do you know have as many people on the team coordinating things and it is helpful to just be able to say okay if I am the one that's like controlling a lot of this I do need to make sure that I take a few minutes before mm-hmm. the actual thing to just refocus myself, you know? 100%. I think those two-minute moments, are, that's such a good idea. I would say, like, put those in to the day as frequently as, as you can slash want to because mm-hmm. you – I mean, I know we did one, like, before we walked into the reception. My uh, husband and I just kind of, like – you know, got to sit there, eat some of our cocktail hour food in this like room in the back. And that was just such a great moment to just like, the sit two down of you. and breathe. Yes. But then his, some of his groomsmen came in. <laughs> right. I remember it was, I was like, get out. <laughs> yeah. I, I really love that. It, it was, it's a thing. I think I'm, we're not Orthodox Jewish, but there's a, there's something built into like the Jewish religion that mm-hmm. most Orthodox people do. I think it's almost like you're supposed to consummate the marriage maybe before you go to your reception. I don't know. My brother had a Jewish wedding. Yeah. And and did that. Like they sat alone after it was after the ceremony before the reception. And it was like they had to. It was like a requirement. They had like a. Yeah, it was. They had to for like 15 minutes or something. It was Mm -hmm. like a long moment. (laughs) Right. Right. It feels like a long moment when everyone's waiting for you. But you know what? Yeah that it should be you should have like some time alone to just 
you know, have that before yeah. you get back into socializing mode, you know? Um, oh, for sure. I remember yeah. my brothers, I didn't know it was happening. And I, we had like our bags and stuff in their room. And I was like trying to knock on the door to get in because <laughs> all the bridesmaids sent me. And my brother comes up to the door, opens it and was like, Nikki, we're having our private moment. And I was like, Shut, oh my sorry. gosh. <laughs> so yeah, don't make sure you have no interruptions. That's for sure. So let's talk about, um, you know, just long-term marriage stuff. So let's say you get married, yay, you're happy, and then you start settling into the marriage a little bit and you start fighting and disagreeing with your, your partner over, you know, it's real life now, you're married, you're committed. What are, obviously every couple is going to get into like disagreements and arguments and fights. And I think that, correct me if wrong, but I feel like that's almost like a healthy couple. Like if you're never, ever arguing, it's like, it's almost weird. Right. But obviously you're a huge proponent of marriage therapy and couples therapy. What are like some signs that like, okay, now we should, we should be going to couples therapy. Like how yeah. do you identify um, when it's time? Totally. One is, I don't think it needs to be, I don't think it needs to be looked at like you get to this point where like, this is serious, we need couples mm -hmm. therapy. I think it could just be, neither one of us are really great at verbalizing emotions or neither one of us are, you know, amazing or both of us are not amazing at communicating deeper emotions. So we could just use someone to help, not only like, okay, call in the crisis team kind of thing. So I think right. sometimes when you look at it like that, it feels like um, nobody wants to be the one to say the words because it means like, okay, I'm admitting there's like a major problem here. Um, mm -hmm. Versus the idea of like, even throwing it out there at some point, like I'm sure down the road, we'll need couples therapy, you know, every now and then throughout the course of our you know, decades long marriage, just to kind of put it out there. Like, it doesn't mean that we're getting a divorce. It doesn't mean that I don't love you or I don't want right. to do this anymore. Or I, you know, so I think that for starters, just to normalize it and kind of, because I always say from my perspective, I see couples, a lot of couples that will come in, um, either before the, before the wedding, before the engagement, before at any point, and just kind of talk out stuff that's going on if you wait, it, sometimes um, if one or both of the members of the couple are very avoidant of conflict, mm -hmm. it's, going to, it's going to rear its head in other ways. And oftentimes when you wait, you've waited too long to where the disconnect grows to the point where somebody's done something that now not only do you have the original disconnect, but maybe you have feelings for an outside person or maybe you have some kind of financial, right. um, you know, dishonesty that's going on or, you know, just hiding things because, yeah, I went out with, you know, I met my friend for this or that and I'm just going to hide it because I didn't want to fight with you about it and I didn't want to have a whole discussion. So now you have little lies, even if they're white lies. So right. I think learning how to communicate early on is only going to serve you throughout the course of your marriage. Um, but that being said, 100%. let's say you're in it and you've, you know, you're not looking at couples therapy as like a crisis. You're just looking at it as something like a maintenance for your car. You know, you don't have to wait for mm -hmm. it to 
break down before you get an oil change. Um, so I think yeah. that, but also if you're noticing that, um, like the physical, sometimes, and this is a big part of mindfulness too, like noticing how it's affecting your physical body. So a lot of times when you have an argument or something, you'll, if you can pay attention, like you start to notice like your decreased appetite or you start to notice, Oh, what is it for you? Are you, is something coming to mind for you as I'm saying this? I was doing like what my puppy does and arch. I feel like I probably arch my back and like sit in a weird way. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, I think there's, so, it's like a protective. Um, yeah. Or some people just, you know, for, and, and for men and women, it's different. Like I think men, they'll get like hot or they'll get sweaty or they'll get. Oh like, yeah. Um, I get sweaty. You know, just. My heart yeah, races like, too. Mm-hmm. As like a nervous so, thing. Yeah. So just noticing the patterns and if that's continuing to happen where you're having, and it's not, it's normal to have some physiological reaction to conflict right but right if you're finding like it's lasting in between conflicts so like you're having mm-hmm. the conflict and then you're still kind of feeling that way throughout the day or throughout the weeks um that's probably a sign that there's something that you're stuffing down for the sake of peace totally. um totally. so listen to your body is a big one um yeah. you know a lot of stuff that people have where they think they have IBS or they think they have, you know, they're allergic to certain, a lot of that can come from stress, um, mm-hmm. chronic headaches, things like headaches. that. Or if you, yeah. That's me. Yeah. Oh. There's a million reasons why people get headaches, but if you're noticing there's a lot of conflict and it's just not feeling like almost, it's feeling like there's still some ick that you're not, um, mm-hmm. that right. when you discuss it, it's not feeling resolved. Right, right. That's probably a good sign. Well, and I like the mindset. I remember you saying something like this on our last episode too. I just like the mindset that it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like, oh, we're fighting a ton. It's time. You you can just go to therapy. Everybody should be in therapy. That's one of my big 2022 goals is like to get back into therapy because I was, whatever. Um, everybody, I mean, I th- it can just be like you're going to therapy to continue having a loving happy relationship yes. it can't it doesn't have to be like a big yeah crisis team situation but no that's really helpful for identifying those signs and stuff so interesting that you can have physical signs too I didn't even think about that um one of the biggest questions we got for you because this is one of the biggest causes of conflict is the invasive in-laws how can we mm. set healthy boundaries with in-laws a lot of the brides out there want to set boundaries yeah this is a this is a tough one um and it's also so common um i think you know obviously you have to start with conversations between the two of you and make sure that he's you know that the other person depending on which way the the conflict is going is on board with this is how i feel and we both agree like let's set some boundaries here so that's the first place to start Hopefully you agree. If you disagree, I think, you know, obviously more conversation just about what what nerve it's touching that your mm-hmm. mother-in-law, father-in-law, whatever it is, is upsetting you. But um, I think talking with your partner first and, and establishing between the two of you those boundaries and then expressing it in a way that's loving and kind and 
and desiring of connection. Like you're saying, I still want to feel connected to you, but what's going to increase my feelings of connection with you is setting these certain boundaries in this way. Um, and if you're really not having a desire for connection with your in-laws, then that's something for you to explore in yourself. You know, um, why am I rejecting this person? You know, why don't I want a relationship with this person? Um, and in extreme cases, I mean, I'm all for in extreme cases, if you're being abused or you're really being treated extremely poorly, then you can set those boundaries as firmly and as far as you need them. That's a really interesting way to look at it because sometimes it's like the mother-in-law, we have brides being like, my mother-in-law is so mean to me and crazy, which I get. Like if your mother, there can be some crazy mother-in-laws out there who are like bully behavior throughout the wedding planning process. But then mm-hmm. not to not take the bride's side, sometimes sometimes you you just have a, a, a unspoken like, thing against your mother-in-law sometimes and and she hasn't even earned it like I don't know I feel like that's and that's something where it's like well is is she being a problem or is it something within yourself like being totally transparent and honest like my I lost my mom in 2017 and I feel like sometimes like that could yeah I love my mother-in-law she's great she's She's amazing. If she's listening, I love you, Pam. I really do. Aww. She like truly is amazing and wants the best for Mike and I, and we love her. She does so much for us. Um, but like, I don't know. Sometimes like, I'd be lying if I wasn't like, uh, like I I miss my own mom. Like, mm-hmm. you know, th- that does that like kind of like unspokenly make me not want to hang out with this family. And I don't know, you know, it's like, do it, is it just because I miss my own family kind of thing? So I could see that kind of being something to explore. And I wouldn't blame you. And I think, you know, becoming aware of that is super important and setting your boundaries to respect yourself is also important, but doing it when you're not aware of what you're doing, then you can start to pick on things that aren't really what it is, you know? Oh, she came over and she didn't, you know, bring whatever. And it's like, no, it's not really about that. I just didn't really feel like having her over. It made me miss my mom that she was, you know, come, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, on this day or that day. So, you know, I think it's really important to be very aware of that. And it could be for a multitude of different reasons. Another one that I've heard is, or discovered with patients is this fear of being like enveloped by somebody else's family. So yep. you're, you know, you're joining with this person and you know there's sometimes is this little power struggle of like whose family is going to have more time or who's going to have more influence or just the fear of like I'm going to lose myself my identity mm-hmm. in this process of getting married and quote unquote joining their family so becoming aware of your own fears and what might be you know you might be coming be becoming irritated just because you're afraid. And that might be a good way to express it to your partners. Like, I'm afraid, you know? Right. I'm afraid that I'm losing myself. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my family um, or my connection. That is such a good point. Not to turn this into a personal therapy session yeah, for me. Yeah, let's do it. I knew this would happen. I knew it. But <laughs> that's, that's that you just hit the nail on the head. That's what I, because I think a lot of, brides might be able to relate like us we come from broken families you know before my mom passed away my parents were divorced and 
that already kind of made me feel like I was losing my family in a way. And especially when my mom passes away, the glue that really held our family together, it's like, yeah, like that might be why sometimes I do feel like I'm, yeah, losing my being enveloped, which I want to be enveloped. My my in-laws are amazing. Envelop me. But at the same time, it's like you, yeah, you just don't want to forget your own family. In those situations, like you're saying, so you're saying the best way to deal with those kind of things and even just setting boundaries with in-laws, maybe that's not the issue. Definitely talk to your significant other. Do you recommend like ever the like, let's say it's the bride with the mother-in-law. That's the most common dynamic common, we see. Right. Yeah. Um, do you see, do you ever recommend, like, brides sitting down with mother-in-law? Or do you do it together with the the significant other and sit down with the in-laws together? Or do you just put it on them to talk to their parents? Right. I think it probably it... depends on the situation. Um, mm-hmm. But I think... I think the ideal, the best thing, the first go-to option is just to find time to sit down alone with your mother-in-law and have like that conversation between the two of you. Obviously, I know that's not always comfortable or if you feel like you're, you know, you might feel like you're going to be run over by her and you need your fiance or your, you know, your husband there to help with that, then that's fine too. But I think the ideal one is just the two of you. So she doesn't really feel ganged up on. So she, cause mm-hmm. there's, you know, on the flip side, I always do like to talk about the mother-in-law's perspective here where, and every bride here, maybe one day will end up being a mother-in-law. So they're going to have that perspective of this is my son. I've always been like the person in his life that he's gone to for everything and there's this adjustment period of now there's like this totally new person and she probably feels not needed anymore or that, you know, it's almost like an existential crisis for her. Like mm-hmm. I've put all my everything into this boy his whole life. And now he's kind of like, okay, thank you. I've moved on to my wife now. And you get like right. very little say in how I, mm-hmm. you know, lead my life and what we do. So she's a little bit sensitive too, and probably easily triggered. I think that's where those issues come from. So I think just being mindful as you're having that conversation with your mother-in-law or you're trying to communicate with her, keeping her perspective at the top of mind. um, Totally. In terms of that, this is a hard transition for her. um, And I, you know, Nicole, I give you a lot of credit that you have such a great relationship with your mother-in-law. It's probably a testament Mm -hmm. to her and to you because that totally. is a really tough situation. And a lot of women would just be like, nope, I'm not feeling it. Right, right. Not, not introspective. I just don't really like, you know. Totally. She does a good job of, she'll flat out, she's very, she's Italian, she's direct. She'll say, she'll say to me every once in a while, she'll be like, you know, I never, ever would try to take the spot of your mom. Like, I would never try to take the place of your, and says that mm-hmm. flat out. She, and, and that is helpful because I'm like, oh, a totally, I never, I never thought that, I swear. But like, mm-hmm. it, it is, it's nice to just verbalize and talk about it because, yes. you know, rather than like sweet things, sweet things, sweep things under the rug and, you know, keep guessing about that stuff, you know? Totally. Communication uh, is key. And it can bring you guys so much closer, especially if you can make her feel understood, you know? And so like, I I know how hard it must be for you to like, 
you know, have to, mm-hmm. we always talk about like, you're giving the bride away, but like you're giving the groom away Your too. Son. A lot of times. Yeah. Even more so, you know? Yeah. Now that I'm an aunt of two or three little, um, little boy nephews, I'm like, you got, I feel like they're my sons. And I'm like, yeah. I, I, now I get it. Now I get it. I'm not even yes. a mom of boys. Yes. Are you, do you have boys? Yeah. So I have it? a little boy who's now okay. four and I get it more than I did before, even not even yeah. when I, he was born, but now that he's like so verbal and he's like, I love you so, 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 so much. Like Ugh. he's just so affectionate and so loving and like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm as a psychologist, I'm aware that at some point all that love and affection is going to be going. It's, it's always yeah. going to be there and it is on usually with the mom in some form until he attaches to his person. And then right. 90% of it is going to go to her as it should be. Um, but that's a big transition. That you know? is a lot. That is a lot. You're going to be the best mother-in-law though, because you're, you've already have the best mindset about it. So I hope oh, so. I hope so. Your yeah, son's very future aware. partner is lucky. Um, last big question so obviously after marriage, you think about kids, you get a puppy, a pet, um, mm-hmm. you know, your in-laws, you're hanging out with them, obviously. So how how do we not let things like that get in between our marriage? I've already noticed with the puppy, Mike and I, I literally looked at him the other day and I was like, hi, we're married. We haven't like... The puppy's taking all of our energy and time. Like, yes. Mike, we need to like, <laughs> like it's the puppy. So okay, hard. we're giving everything we have to him. He even sleeps in our bedroom in the crate because we're crate training. So I'm like, when do we get into it? But right. um, yeah, I mean, how do we how do we keep it alive with all the other things? It is really really hard. I mean, and this is a quick fix that I just recommend to everybody, mm-hmm. which is a once a week date night where it's like yep. just as important as your podcast recording on every Monday morning or whatever it is. Like, this is your time. This is what you mm-hmm. do. It's like a non-negotiable. I mean, obviously, once in a while, it might not work out. But like making that a priority, just like everything else is a priority. Like his vet visit is a priority. Or, you know, mm-hmm. if it's kids down the road, like I do think that and we, we touched a little bit on this and oversharing this kind of culture of like being a parent and how all consuming that is, where it's almost like totally. nothing else matters once you have kids. And it, you can't live like that because it's not healthy for them and it's not healthy for you. So just really remembering that, you know, you guys have to keep yourselves happy in order for you to make anybody else happy, whether it's kid or dog or whatever it is, yeah. and just really prioritizing alone time or whatever it is, first of all, figuring out what is, what, what kind of time connects you? What kind of Mm -hmm. time is the time that you spend where you feel like all those warm and fuzzy and loving feelings and not just sex. I mean, sex is great, but like, what type of time do you spend together that just feels like, you know, there's just the two of you in the world and you guys are connected the way you, you know, the way you always used to be and whatever that is, that's what, you know, I say date night, but it could be whatever, you know, it could be going on a hike or whatever your thing is that you do, Mm -hmm. but doing it like weekly, which some people, especially once you have kids seems like impossible. It's not impossible. 
figure it out. When you you prioritize it, when you treat it as though it's a priority, then it's not impossible. Like Mm -hmm. literally, I love the idea of like treating it as the vet visit. Like Mm -hmm. if you need to get coverage for the kids or the puppy, like do it because that needs to be a priority. I love that. Totally. I mean, and I'm a big believer in energy. And I don't know if this is like a fact or not, but I swear I think it is. I think kids and pets feed off of the couple's energy. Like, for example, my sister and her, uh, my brother-in-law, they have a great relationship. Obviously, they fight. They've they've two young kids. They've, I'm I'm sure the kids have driven, <laughs> sort of driven that. Like, you know, they lose their relationship more when they're all consumed by the kids. Like any couple does, but they do do a good job of like being very like loving and happy with each other. And they're just like overall like energetic, happy people. Their kids are both like super happy babies and kids. Mm -hmm. Not that that could just be like natural thing or whatever, but I'm a big believer in like the energy that the couple gives off. Like if, if you guys are like fighting a lot and whatnot, maybe you're like, does that affect the kids and puppies? Yeah, of course. Yeah, totally. I I I yeah. really agree with that. And sometimes you have you have to check yourself and like what am I really doing? Okay, so I don't want to hire the babysitter because I don't trust someone alone with my kid. So at mm-hmm. the expense of not ever getting a babysitter, we're just going to be tense and overworked and underconnected. Right. But the child somehow feels safer because of that, but you are going to project that energy. They're going to feel that energy. So my opinion is obviously don't put your kid with anybody, but find a trusted person, a trusted babysitter, put a a camera or if that makes you feel better, whatever you have to do and get reconnected and, and fill your tank. And I think sometimes what maybe in this, you know, might be stereotypical and women, need it too. But I think sometimes what women don't realize, and because men are maybe not as good at verbalizing it, and again, I'm being stereotypical, it could go both ways, is like how much they need that time. Not just sex. I'm not even mm. just talking about sex, but like how much they need your attention. Like the yes. men, you know, they need yep. your undivided attention and then they will be more affectionate with you like throughout the whole rest of the week or they'll feel more loved and they'll feel more cared for. Mm -hmm. They'll be more open and expressive and it'll just be like a positive spiral of, you know, love that's going to just feed you both throughout the week. So they might not be able to come out and say, hey, I really am craving alone time with you. I'm feeling disconnected. They might not verbalize it in that way. But once it happens... I think you'll see a big difference, um, especially mm-hmm. like, I don't know if, if your husband feels like you're paying all your attention to the dog, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, hey, you know, remember me? I used to be yeah. your number one. You used to buy me oh, yeah. cute shirts and you used to buy me like stuff. Yep. And now all you're doing is buying stuff for the dog. Yep. Yep. That's both. of us. It's more me to him. I'm like, I literally, I, right. I have no problem verbalizing it. I'm like, we're not right. connected and you give me no attention. And then, right. and then we reconnect. But no, I mean, that's, you hit the nail on the head. That's, I think, I, and I, I agree. It's anybody in the relationship can feel like that. And that's, that's so important. Cause then you just feel like roommates living together and you're like, what, yeah. like taking care of this being, but yep. yeah, no, I just, yeah, it's important. Except our puppy got sick over the weekend and we really had to dedicate a lot of attention to that. I was on my hands Aww. and knees scrubbing up. 
<laughs> and he, oh, yeah, no. it's a, we're learning. We're learning through all that. We have an email that we'd love to get your advice on all about getting along during the weddings or during wedding planning. This one says, Dearly beloved Betches, my fiance and I are having a disagreement on his suit. Our entire wedding is black and white themed. Tablecloths are black, napkins are white, flowers are white, etc. You get the picture. My groom, however, is insisting that he wear a blue suit. He doesn't like how black suits look on him. But to that point, I don't want him to wear black. I want him to wear gray. He claims he doesn't want to blend into the tablecloths and look like everyone else. I insist that wearing blue will make him clash and honestly look a bit disrespectful in the sense that it will appear that he didn't care enough to respect the theme. Overall, I just don't think it'll look good. But also, I don't want him to have zero say in his attire or feel like I'm bossing him around. So my question is, am I being unreasonable? Do you think a blue suit would look bad with the overall theme of black and white? To be clear, the suit in question would be navy blue, not baby blue, or anything. Also, the wedding is in October, if that matters at all. Thank you for any guidance you can give. Trying to not be overly difficult. I'm just, I'm giggling because this is such a bride question. It's like, the colors mm-hmm. are this, and I don't know. It's just, this right. is, welcome to Betch's Brides. <laughs> totally, totally. So, I want to hear your, so first, your stylistic perspective on it, and then, I'll let you know what I think, um, because that's not my area of expertise. No. So here's the thing. It's so funny because this this was a recent email. So she's this this is perfectly timely, like literally within the past week. And I picked this one because it's a disagreement between the couple. But I also get I totally understand her because I was going through the same thing. Mike, my husband, literally didn't care about anything with the wedding. He was helpful when he was great throughout it. Like I, he would help when I asked and whatnot. And but he didn't have like strong opinions about the decor and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But when it came to what he was wearing, he was like, "Yes, I don't love black and white on me. I I wanted him in a black and white tux. I still wish we could go back in time sometimes <laughs> and put him in a black and white tux. Like I just love the look. He was." He was just like, you know what? I don't want to look. He thought he looked like a waiter, which I now he looks back and he disagrees. But he was like, I just don't love the look of a black and white tux on me. I've had to wear them before. I want to wear something different. I want we were looking at blue suits like the navy blue, which looked really nice. Then we ended up putting him in a beautiful gray suit and he looked amazing, felt great, whatever. Um, But I do get it. Like as the bride, you if you have a vision and sometimes like. The, the groom's suit can clash and you don't want to put, you know, all groomsmen in a certain thing. I get it. Like she's saying she doesn't want him in black. She wants him in gray. Okay. But he wants this blue one. Like I do get it. She's like, I we can't have it clash. But at the same time, I, I think if he's like, for me, this was the one thing Mike kind of wanted. And I was like, let's find an option that will match with everything. And gray worked. And we did black accents to still tie into our black colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, look, you're the one wearing it. I am I know Mike. And I know ultimately I would have been able to break him down and put him in the black tux. And, <laughs> like, he'll go with what I want in the end. He's right. he's well-trained. No, but... Um, 
I know I would, but I was like, I don't want him to just, I don't want to force him to wear something. I want him to be happy and confident and comfortable on the wedding day. And if that's him wearing neon yellow, then let's go with it. But it was, you know, it was a gray suit. So, and he looked amazing and it worked. So we compromised on that. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, it seems here like, if she, I don't think she would be writing in if the gray was working, right? So it sounds like he right. doesn't want gray and he doesn't want black. He wants blue. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the tough spot is, and I again, that's why I asked you to comment first, because from my perspective, the theme should go around him. Like, And I guess this is hindsight mm-hmm. 2020, right? Like maybe before they discussed a black and white theme for the whole wedding, they should have figured out that he didn't want to wear black um, if that was going to be part of it, because it's almost like, could you imagine if the bride didn't feel like she was wearing what she wanted to wear? Like that wouldn't happen. You know, if he was kind of like, I really want you to wear this like super thick veil over your face or whatever, something that was just (laughs) like, you know, I don't want that. I don't think I look good in that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to wear that. And then, she ended up getting or he ended up getting his way, you'd probably feel like a little cranky or annoyed or irritated and yeah. that there's nothing worse than that. So I don't think anything would be worth him not feeling comfortable or even feeling like resentful about being right. forced into something that so what maybe one question is, I don't know how far into this you are, but maybe you just second guess some of the other stuff. Um, mm-hmm to make him feel more comfortable instead of being like steadfast on this theme when mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it's working for him. I don't know. I mean, I'm not in the world of right. um, wedding yeah. planning, so I don't know if that would be possible. Um, I mean, my thing aesthetically wise, I, I, not to, I don't know the full look of her wedding and whatnot, but from what she's describing, I get the black and white theme. That's very common, but I think a nice classy blue suit. That's like what I wanted Mike to wear. And I forget why we ultimately start went with gray. But I love the look of like black and white. And then you see a nice dark uh, mm-hmm. blue suit with black accents. Like with the mm-hmm. lapel or maybe it's a tux with yes. like the black lapels. I think that's like what Aileen from... You guys go back and look at her photos from like 2019 when she... Um, the founder of Betches got married. Like that's what her husband. It looks so, and so many grooms do that. Like it looks. I think it looks so classy to do it. Our and I think it sounds like black. he wants to stand out a little bit. You know, right? Um, so he gets that too. Just like you want to yeah. be the only person in white. You know, maybe he wants to stand out a little bit and kind of mm-hmm. not look like everybody else. So. Um, again, all this is communication. It sounds like they've tried communicating, which is why she's writing in here to figure out um, what to yeah. do. But from a couple's perspective, I think it would be best to try to make it a priority to allow him to wear whatever he thinks he's going to look best in. It's one thing if you're talking mm-hmm. about like the groomsmen or something else that's not him and his own body and his own suit. Like, I think that needs to be a priority. Right. Because that, I think confidence on the wedding day and feeling comfortable is so important. You just want to, you want both of you. Like, we put so much on this podcast, so much effort into, like, looking your best as the bride. But 
We've got to remember, you know, in in couples like the both parties have to look and feel their best. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if that means your groom, like you want him feeling his best. I even say sometimes like if the groom wants a little makeup on his face, that's Mm -hmm. something there's like services out there that do like or makeup artists often put makeup on the groom too. Like you just you want your groom to be happy and you want. So that's the thing. Like, I agree with you since this thing has to do with his own body it's like maybe just let him win this one and then you know you get everything else try to tie it in or like you said somehow but I also the other issue I think is if he's putting his foot down here he's doing that for a reason right it sounds like he's putting his foot down and I don't know if it's really I mean perhaps it's just because of what he's saying I want to wear a blue suit I don't want to blend in I, you know, I don't like how I look, whatever his, or it could be like, I haven't had much say here. And now on this thing, I want some say. So right. if that's the case, you might want to just tune into him and kind of what the underlying message might be here also mm-hmm. as a side note. That's a good call. Like if this is the thing that he only feels like he has control, like the one thing he has mm-hmm. some sort of control or say over, it's like maybe give him more say throughout, like. I think the grooms should totally be involved in the wedding planning just as much as the bride, if not in some cases more. We had one mm-hmm. of our Betches employees on um, who got married and she's on our sales team. So she works nonstop and she, her husband did like most of the wedding planning and it was oh, so wow. interesting to hear. Yeah. And it was awesome because we had, I had them both on the podcast and it was like, Oh, I'd be yeah. so curious just to see like photo reel of, weddings that are more like masculine or I don't know how you would describe it but that are more like you know groom driven weddings Mm -hmm. um and just kind of what that looks like that would be that would be very interesting (laughs) to see like visually what comes to life with grooms versus brides I'm sure a lot more like romantic with brides who knows um but yeah I mean that's this is a tough one I do I, I think too like there's We've had other like couples write in and be like, you know, we're disagreeing over everything and whatnot. And it's like you just the whole wedding planning process, if both, um, you know, you and your partner feel strongly about things, you do just have to compromise, like let Mm -hmm. them win some, let you win. It's like, you know, you're planning this together. And at the end of the day, the little details don't matter. Like he can wear whatever and you guys will still be happy. And yeah. So anyways, thank you so much. This was just great. Thank you for being my personal therapist on this as well. You are so welcome. Yeah. Where can everybody find you, your stuff, maybe hire you if they want to come to you? And of course, oversharing. Totally. So listen to oversharing and you can find me at NaomiBernstein.com. Um, you find all the info about me. I have very limited availability for individual therapy, but if we're like the perfect match and you feel like it's meant to be and mm-hmm. um, our schedules happen to line up and all the stars align, um, I'd be happy to, to take on somebody new for individual therapy. But I have um, some groups. If anybody wants to you know, reach out to me and you'd like to join one of my groups, I can set you up with that. Um, but that's it. And listen to oversharing, send in your emails. And Nicole, I'd love to come back. This was really fun. Yes. We'll do a whole nother episode on how to find the best match for your couples therapist. Cause that was one of my questions. Okay. And I'm like, I feel like that's a whole topic. 
All right. Yeah, let's do that next time. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, till death do us part. The Betches Brides podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Brides and send us your emails to brides at betches.com. Betches.